It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Oklahoma City Thunder are still alive for one more game at least. Welcome to the April 26th episode of the Locked On Thunder podcast. I am your gracious and humble host, Eric G. Thank you so much for making me a part of your day. And my goal for this podcast is not to talk about all the same things that you've been hearing about the Oklahoma City Thunder throughout the day. I want to delve in to some deeper issues with Oklahoma City. But because I'm a, I'm a broadcaster, I have a broadcasting or a talk show host background, you are taught to play the hits. So we're going to discuss some of that. And in the first segment, what we're really going to get to, the, the, kind of the whole crux of the first segment today, is to talk about the Thunder's overwhelming need for adversity. I'm convinced that in order for the Thunder to succeed, they have to be pushed to the brink. We'll hear from Raymond Felton on that, as well as Carmelo Anthony. I think a lot of us are still surprised that Alex Sabrinas may have had the play of the game last night and showed his defensive prowess. Also had a big three. We'll hear from Alex, and he'll describe the block on Donovan Mitchell and the three on the other end. And Corey Brewer will tell us what he said to Alex Abrinas as Abrinas was coming off the court with 133 left to go in the game and what the exchange of words was. In segment number two, just a warning, a little NSFW action from Steven Adams. Not for me, but I, I didn't feel like censoring it. I think you need to hear Steven Adams in, 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 in only as Steven Adams can, can say things about the defensive communication and what it was in the first half and how it changed in the second, plus what to do about Carmelo Anthony. Carmelo Anthony, I can tell you after talking to him last night, has a firm understanding of what his future in the NBA is going to be and, and how the Thunder not only use that the rest of this series and possibly throughout the playoffs, but where it sort of leaves him in the big picture. And in segment number three, is Ennis Kander going to return to Oklahoma City on a more permanent basis? We have to discuss that and Stephen Adams' reaction. We also have to talk about eavesdropping on a Salt Lake City radio show and just how shook are the Jazz. And when will we know if the Jazz are truly in trouble in this series, despite the fact that they are up three games to two? My name's Eric G. If this is maybe your first time listening to the Locked on Thunder podcast, I did radio in Oklahoma City here for a few years. A lot of Thunder post games, the occasional Thunder pregame. I'm lucky enough to be a credentialed member of the media and have covered the Thunder for five years. 
I'm at practice, I'm at shoot around, I'm talking to the guys, I'm talking to the coaches, and I do my best to bring that information to you and put it all up at LockedOnThunder.com and then throw in my opinion on these podcasts. And I also work for another publication called ThunderDigest.com and host a podcast there called The G League. That is available on iTunes. Thank you very much to Chuck Cheney and uh, Brady Trantham for supplying some video for Locked on Thunder last night. So that's me, and I want to tell you, hey, if you like what you hear, go to LockedOnThunder.com. Check out our, our archive podcast and all our videos. So Thunder win last night. Come down from 25 points, or come back from a 25-point deficit. I tweeted out at 10 o'clock at night that the Thunder's time of death was 10 p.m. Central. After that, the Thunder began dismantling the Jazz, mainly from Russell Westbrook and Paul George, who had 45 and 34, respectively. And I did hear a national talk show host on the way home ask the question if he was supposed to be impressed with Russell Westbrook's night, shooting 39 shots and making only 17 of them. Well, you don't you don't have to be impressed with Russell Westbrook's night. I mean, from a statistical standpoint, that's not good. You need Russell Westbrook to be more efficient in that, but nobody else other than Paul George was hitting any shots. There's not a single player on this team from last night other than those two that are even in double digits. So Russ had to go Pedro Serrano and put the team on his back and, and sort of will them to win. And I even got a text during the game last night from one of my friends who asked if the Thunder had quit. And I said, well, you know, Russell Westbrook hadn't quit, but PG certainly looks like he's mailing it in because in the first half, Paul George was putting up some shots, save for the one, save for the three at the end of the first quarter where he stared down Joe Ingle. That just said, it's over. It's it's over. Let's go into the offseason and let's test free agency. Luckily, we were wrong. And I promise, promise to all Thunder fans, this is my solemn swear to you, that I will tweet out something really stupid about the Thunder losing right as the game is starting on Friday night. I, I promise that to you because if, if that's what it takes for the Thunder to win, I'm more than willing to be the sacrificial lamb. But the deeper the deeper issue with Oklahoma City is this need, and I call it a need for adversity. It's almost as if they have to be facing the most dire of circumstances in order to get themselves together. And it makes zero sense when you have three Hall of Famers on a team, three Hall of Famers, none of which have an NBA championship ring, you shouldn't need that kind of motivation. You shouldn't need halftime speeches from Raymond Felton. You shouldn't need Corey Brewer telling you to get it together. Russ should not have to do what he did last night just to get you an extension in the first round of the playoffs. It should all come from within. I don't think the Thunder can 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 answer that. And is, it, it, you want to point fingers? Who are you blaming for that? It has to be as a collective. It has to be a collective. You can't just blame Billy Donovan's or Billy Donovan for the team's lack of desire because that's not the coach's job. Can't just blame Carmelo Anthony or Russell Westbrook or say if Steven Adams didn't have a lack of desire, which you know that's not true. Him rubbing off on everyone. No, this is a complete total team effort. And that's something I asked Carmelo Anthony about after the game. I mean, I don't know. I don't think it should be adversity. I don't think that should be the case. But 
it seems like that's the case when we when we face adversity, our backs against the wall, and you know we, we come out swinging and we come out fighting. Uh, and today was a, a, a great case of that. You know, we was to be down the way we were uh, in a closeout game, you know, in our home court, uh, and to rally, you know, back in and win this basketball game. Uh, it's it's a lot of good things that we can take from from tonight uh, and carry that over to Game Six. I also asked Raymond Felton the question about what was the difference between last night's game and other games where we've seen Oklahoma City get down to Utah and just kind of mail it in. What was the difference between tonight and other nights when you guys were down? We won. (laughs) 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 I think that explains it right there. We won the game. I mean, just just our desire to win. You know, I think, you know, really took over tonight. Just, you know, talent, you know, just playing together, being together. You know, you look at the bench. You know, from the third quarter on, I don't think nobody sat down. You know, we were just all into the game. It was just just excitement, man. We all put together, all of us put together and got this win. Well, hopefully this desire to win that, that Raymond Felton is speaking of can be carried over to tomorrow night against the Utah Jazz in Salt Lake City. And for as great as the Thunder crowd was last night, and that's the loudest I've probably heard the peak in quite some time. Still, nothing, nothing will ever compare to that first game, Kevin Durant came back as a member of Golden State when Russell Westbrook got introduced. No, nothing will compare to that. But as the game wore on, as the Thunder were getting themselves back into it and eventually took the lead, the, the volume of the crowd just went up. But the Utah crowd has been insane. They have been absolute maniacs. And part of the reason that is, is because Utah is not as jaded as Oklahoma City is. Had had Utah suffered some of the sitbacks, or had Oklahoma City suffered some of the sitbacks that Utah have as an organization over the last few years, I would imagine this crowd would have been amped up for Game 1, 2, and last night in Game 5. But Alex Abrinas, we haven't talked about him yet, play of the game last night. Has a block on Donovan Mitchell, and then a few seconds later on the offensive end, Russell Westbrook hits him with a pass, and he knocks down a big-time three-pointer. Alex Abrinas last night, in fact, that was his only shot. It was the only bucket that he made. His only three points came then, and it all happened because of the defense that he played. Here's Alex Abrinas taking us through those moments. I mean, I was just guarding Mitchell, and I was backing up, and the last moment, Steve pushed me a little bit, so that gave me the, the balance to, to jump and get that block, and and then Ross attacked, and I was on the corner wide open, and he was looking for me. I mean, I can... I can see it in his face. Uh, I was just ready to sh- knock, the, knock the three down, and, and it felt great, especially if they call a timeout after. You say he was looking for you. You mean Mitchell? Yeah, uh, you can. Like I've been playing two years with him, so I gotta know his what, what he's thinking most of the time. So I see him attacking, and in the moment, uh, Mitchell helped a little bit. He was already passing the ball to me, hmm. and I I knew that. I mean, he looked for me and. Or that play, or that few seconds, whatever you want to call it. And with 133 left to go in the game, Billy Donovan brings Alex Abrinas off the floor. Corey Brewer goes out to meet him. Those two exchange words. And Corey Brewer gave us a little insight. Not, Not all players will give you this kind of insight. Most of them will just answer, it's private, it's between us. Here's what Corey Brewer said to Alex Sabrinas. You come in for him at the end there, and you, you kind of you know, put your arm around him a little bit at the end. Did you say anything to him in that moment? Yeah, I told him, man, great, great. You did great tonight. You know, he was amazing. You know, he played great D, kept Mitchell in front of him. Um, he, he did everything he needed to do for us to get a win. 
Corey, Billy talked about how early in the game he didn't think the defensive communication was on point. And in the second half, he thought it was much better. What was the difference there from your perspective? Why were you guys able to shore that up to such an incredible degree? Um, we started talking. Everybody was on the same page. We hadn't been on the same page the whole, same page the whole series. So finally, you know, we're on the same page. So we see what we can do when we're on the same page, and we got to carry that over. Why did you start talking in the second half as opposed to the entire game? You don't want to go home. <laughs> if you lose, you go home, it's over. Nobody wants to go home. For as great as that win was last night and for as euphoric as a lot of Oklahoma City Thunder fans are feeling, there is a certain amount of frustration that still goes along with all this because why do you why can you not communicate better on defensively in the first half? Why does there still have to be the, these come-from-behind wins? You are clearly the more talented team. But it's been said over and over again over the last few days, while the Thunder are more talented, they're not the better of the two teams because Utah is playing as a much more cohesive unit. And again, last night, as we see it, rinse and repeat with the Utah Jazz, somebody else stepped up to play Thunderkiller, and that was Jay Crowder, who off the bench, I don't know if I can really consider Jay Crowder a bench player last night when you play 36 minutes. He gets 27 points, but neither bench was great last night. The Thunder bench scored more points than the Jazz bench. Jeremy Grant leading the way with a whopping four. Well, okay, if you take Jay Crowder out of the equation, the Thunder bench scored more than the Jazz bench. So let me let me be a little bit clearer on that. Still a lot of issues with the Thunder. And they're not out of the woods yet. And in segment three, we'll, sp- we'll explore just how shaken the Jazz might be Coming up for Game 6. All feels good now, but it's just a matter of carrying that momentum over to Game 6 and not putting yourself in, in any more holes. Because I I don't see if the Jazz get the Thunder down by 25 again. I, I don't see them letting their foot off the brakes and the Thunder being able to survive that. It's just me. This is the Locked On Thunder Podcast. I am your host, Derek G. This is also part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Coming up in segment number two, what does Carmelo Anthony know for sure about his future with the Oklahoma City Thunder? This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Barea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Barea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Business owners, if your target demographic is men between the ages of 18 and 44, then welcome to the Locked On Podcast Network because that is our target demographic as well. 98% of the people that listen to this podcast are men. 80% of those are between the ages of 18 and 44. 
and they would love to know what your business has to offer them. Whatever products you're selling, they would like to invest in that. Maybe I shouldn't speak for the listeners, but I get the feeling from the testimonies we get from our other from our other sponsors that they really do like spending money. Email us at locked on locked on podcast network at gmail.com. Locked on podcast network at gmail.com. We have very reasonable rates. So you're not going to feel like you're being priced out. And you're also going to be able to to get your message to a worldwide audience. The Locked on Thunder podcast, just going to brag here for a second. We have people that listen every day in the countries of Australia and New Zealand and all throughout Europe and Canada. So we have a worldwide base. And can you imagine what some of our other podcasts do? Like Locked on Rockets who have a big following overseas? Become part of the Locked On Podcast Network again. Locked On Podcast Network at gmail.com. It's been a very trying season for one Carmelo Anthony, and this series is just a continuation of that. Carmelo has had some major struggles on the court. Last night, he didn't really figure into the Thunder's decision, scored seven points, did so in 25 minutes, only two of six from the floor. And as the Thunder were making their, their comeback... Carmelo Anthony spent the majority of that time sitting on the bench. And just put yourself in his shoes just for a second here. You were the face of the New York Knicks. You were the face of the Denver Nuggets. You won a national championship in college. The only thing that really lacks on your resume is that NBA championship ring. And when you're a guy who's been as seminal as he has been in every organization that he that he has been a part of, this is this is a tough pill to swallow. And you can see it on Carmelo Anthony's face last night. The, the reality of this is, is sitting in. And essentially, here's what's going to happen to Carmelo Anthony over the next year or so with the Oklahoma City Thunders as we look big picture here. Carmelo Anthony's going to opt in and, and make $28 million. Because you can't... There's no way he can go out on the open market and even remotely... Get close to that. Sam Presti, Billy Donovan, Russell Westbrook, they could all make it uncomfortable for him and suggest that he shouldn't come back. But ultimately, it's his decision. And I don't think any of us would leave that kind of money lying on the table. In fact, most of us, our wives would kill us if we left that kind of money laying on the table. Carmelo Anthony will want to start. And that's not a big issue. Carmelo Anthony starting is not a problem. Starting in the NBA, who starts? Who cares? Who gets set in the who gets announced in the lineup? Not that big a deal. What it's all about is the matter of minutes you play. And what Billy Donovan, Sam Presti, and Carmelo Anthony are going to talk about once this season concludes is okay, Carmelo, do you want to opt in? All right, here's what we're gonna do. We'll still start you, but we're gonna limit your minutes. And we're gonna start to give Jeremy the bulk of the playing time, and we're gonna handle you in a way where you'll You'll get the introduction, but midway through the first quarter, we're going to bring you off the court and we're going to let Jeremy play a while. That's that's how you do it. And Carmelo Anthony being a competitor is not going to like it, but he really doesn't have any choice if he wants to be part of this team other than to accept it. And you could hear that last night as he was answering the questions about not being a part of the comeback. Well, I mean, of course I... You know, my, my competitive nature wanted to kind of be out there and be, be a part of kind of what was going on. But the guys that was out there, you know, they, they, they got it going. They got us a lead back. Uh, they played extremely well. 
you know, to, 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 to dig us out that hole. So uh, I think Coach just made a decision where, you know, he was just letting, letting those guys go. I think there was a sequence where you were on the bench, and I think uh, some people caught you and Mo Cheeks kind of having some words with each other. What was going on in that discussion when you were on the bench? It was just me wanting to play, me, me, me wanting to be a part of uh, kind of what was going on out there. And kind of, you know, he was trying to get me to understand kind of what was going on in the situation, and those guys was rolling. Uh, but I think for me it was just about kind of my competitive nature was just took over at that point, just wanting to be a part of, kind of that atmosphere in that game and uh, and then really not want to go home tonight. So, If that happens in, in game six or if there's a game seven, I mean, how, how are you going to approach that? Uh, if well, I don't, I, mean, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I, if the game is, you know, I think it's a raid on the game. If the, if the guys have it going out there on the game, it's, it's no need for me to be kind of upset uh, about not being in there. Yeah, of course, I want to be in there and be a part of that. But if they, you know, if, if game six, if they have it going and uh, – I, I, I will understand, but hopefully we won't we won't be in this situation again. Did, did you and Billy discuss that in post game? Just the, the the substitution situation in the third and fourth quarter? No. I, I feel bad for Carmelo Anthony. I, I really do because he's an incredibly likable guy. I've said that a million times on, on this podcast, and he's just not producing. And and I hate to watch guys' skills diminish it's tough to watch as a fan especially when you've seen a guy exceed anything beyond your wildest imagination and I'm not necessarily saying that Carmelo Anthony fits into that court category I don't think Carmelo Anthony's done anything on the basketball court near as spectacular as what a guy like Russell Westbrook will do on a nightly basis but Carmelo Anthony's been a very good player and now to just see him be a shell of himself, that's hard to watch. But I'm also the same type of guy that doesn't necessarily want athletes to retire until they're ready to retire because it's their legacy. And what Carmelo Anthony is for the Oklahoma City Thunder, it at least won't affect my memory of what he was during his time at Syracuse or his time with the New York Knicks. I will always think fondly of him as a player and I will definitely think fondly for, of him as a person. And most likely I'm going to do that with with Steven Adams as well, even though him and I had a little back and forth yesterday. Adams was asked about the defensive communication and hold on folks, this is a little NSFW. Here's Steven Adams on the Thunder needing to improve defensively during last night's game with Utah. Billy said the communication was better too. That's that's pretty much what it came down to. First half we were shite at searches. Um uh, we were 100%, and that word is 100% fits. Uh, but then second half, we ended up our communication was really good, um, and also just the the reads, you know, for the for when to switch or not. That's the grey area. So our grey areas were really kind of defined. That's where you usually get the slips. Well, you know, just the miscommunication and whatnot. So that's what I think Billy means, and that I mean as well. Yeah. Yeah, as only Stephen Adams could put it. He's the only guy that can get. He's the only guy that can get away with that. He's the only guy. I would. I would not bleep out when he swears. Well, as long as he's not dropping the big ones. Like I. Like I try and keep this PG thirteen. I don't like to do a rated R podcast. And hopefully, David Locke's not not mad at me for that. And David, if you are, I have no problem uh, going back and, and editing this and, and re-releasing the podcast. But I, I just thought everyone deserved 
to uh, hear that. And if you want more of that Stephen Adams interview or any of our other interviews from last night from Raymond Felton, Corey Brewer, Paul George at the podium, etc., go to LockedOnThunder.com. We are Locked On Thunder, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Coming up in segment number three, we'll, we'll go back to Stephen Adams and what does he think of the possibility of Ennis Canner returning to Oklahoma City on a more permanent basis. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. If you're a sports junkie, then I have your one-stop shop for everything NFL, everything Major League Baseball, and, well, yeah, the NBA. It's called LockedOnSports.com. It's where we house all our podcasts. We have articles from local experts and other goodies as well. Make it your first stop every morning when you wake up and every night before you go to bed. LockedOnSports.com. Not only is the Locked On Thunder podcast there, but tonight, or today, Locked on Cavaliers would be a good one to check out after LeBron hits that game-winning shot. Locked on Hawks would be interesting to hear because of their major coaching change as well as Locked on Grizzlies. It's all right there at LockedOnSports.com, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Before we jump into the possibility of Ennis Canner returning to the Oklahoma City Thunder permanently, which I got to admit, I I really do hope that happens. I don't know how realistic it is, but I hope that it does happen. Talk about that in a second. Last night, I had the opportunity to eavesdrop on a radio show from Salt Lake and listen to what they were saying about the Jazz. Because I didn't get a chance to go into the Jazz locker room. I just went into the Thunder locker room after the game. Because I do the Locked on Thunder website. But from what the two hosts were saying, the Jazz did not treat that loss any differently than they did, say, loss 15 of the season or whenever. It's just like this game, game six of the, of the first round of the playoffs, the attitude wasn't any different than game 45 of the NBA schedule. We won't really know how much of last night's game did any damage to the Jazz mentally Until the Thunder can build up a big lead, if the Thunder can do something and get out to a big lead, say, by 10 in the second quarter, then wait and see the Jazz respond. And if this game is tight in the third and in the fourth quarter, I give the advantage to Oklahoma City. If it's even remotely close... I'm going to give it to Oklahoma City because of the veteran leadership. The numbers don't necessarily back me up on this, but Russell Westbrook and Paul George, especially Russ, they'll will Oklahoma City to win if they have to. And if that happens, if the Thunder win game six, then game seven is a lock for Oklahoma City. You never want to, you never want to look too far ahead in this situation, but I think about when the Thunder lost to Golden State. I remember saying... Oklahoma City needs to get them. They need to get them in in Oakland because I think you give that team any sort of confidence that's going to come back to bite you in the butt. 
And that's what I feel in this series with the Jazz. You give the Thunder any sort of confidence, they're going to win. And right now, the Thunder are riding high. They have to come out early. They have to have a great first quarter and then just make sure that this game is tight all the way from the third to the end of the fourth. And Steven Adams, hey, you've only had one foul in two games. One foul in two games. Keep yourself out of foul trouble. And let's hope that the Jazz get into foul trouble again and, and the Thunder can attack the paint the way they did last night, which I'm sure that you've, you've heard a thousand times, so I didn't feel like I had to, to go over that ground again. And maybe you've heard this. Ennis Canner was in the building last night. He was wearing his Stash Brothers shirt, and he made an appearance in the peak hallways after the game, and Steven Adams was asked about it. Nothing at all. I hate that. <laughs> Come back. No, honestly, it's good that he actually. Um, it's good that he came out. I mean, all the boys were happy to see him. Um, yeah, but you know, his short spurts with him. You know, short spurts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now we talked yesterday on the podcast that the Thunder really couldn't acknowledge the fact that Adams was back because technically he's under contract to the Knicks, even though he can opt out. He's still under contract, and that would be considered tampering. And the Thunder don't want to get themselves involved in something like that like the Lakers have over the last few years I think just based on the discussion that we were having last night at the media dinner that Ennis Kanter does want to come back to Oklahoma City he's always been very fond of this place I think he kind of, he feels like it is home the fans treat him well the organization treated him superbly and if there's any chance for Ennis Kanter to come back the Thunder should take advantage of it the problem is is the Thunder have a lot to worry about this offseason. And it's not just Paul George and bringing him back and signing him to a max deal or a one-and-one. But what do you do about Jeremy Grant? Raymond Felton's only on a one-year deal. The What about Josh Hustis? There, there are so many questions to answer that the Thunder must get taken care of before they can even get to Ennis Canner. My fear is, is that Canner opts out. He wants to come back to Oklahoma City And unfortunately, while the Thunder are maybe maneuvering and trying to work things out, Ennis might get an offer that's too good to refuse. I also like Ennis Kanter coming back because the Jazz and the Thunder could be a budding rivalry. And rivalries in the NBA only happen when teams meet in the playoffs. This is a budding rivalry. You're starting to see the fans dislike Joe Engel and Jay Crowder. You bring in as Canner, who the Jazz fans already hate, back into the fold. And then, man, you've got something. And you've got something with the team that you're going to meet four times in a season. That wraps up this edition of the Locked on Thunder podcast. We'll be back tomorrow to talk about, can't believe I'm saying this, game six of the first round with the Utah Jazz and the Oklahoma City Thunder. As always, ELE, like Jackie Moon said, and peace, love, and thunder up. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.